You can be seated. The youth are going to stay in the service today. The children are going to be dismissed. Bethany, uh, Julia, Zach, uh, Sean, Justin, thank y'all very, very much. Uh, welcome. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, Michael or Zachary, would somebody shut those, that door for me? Thank you. Lord bless you. Um, ooh, I'm happy to be here with y'all today. Um, we're about to begin a new year on Wednesday. And I've spent the last three or four or five days really thinking about the significance of that in my life and what, what God might want to do in my life this year so that I don't end 2020 the way I'm ending 2019. Um, I read a quote that I sent to most of you, if you remember or something, but I sent you a quote means that I don't have your, your right phone number or something, but I sent you a quote about somebody that I read every day, Oswald Chambers, and uh, he said this, he said, um, at special moments in our lives, God brings us to major turning points in our lives. Great crossroads. I love that idea. Great crossroads. From that point, we either go toward a more slow, lazy, and useless Christian life, or we become more on fire, giving God our utmost for His highest, our best for His glory. And I read that. I don't know, three or four or five days ago. Uh, some of you probably did as well. And man, that uh, really touched me deeply. Um, I've had a great year. I mean, by any, well, by most people's evaluation, I've had a great year that's been full of Wonderful, wonderful blessings. And uh, I felt the Lord's presence. I've seen Him at work in my life and through my life in the lives of others. Uh, my wife still likes me and uh, my daughter likes me and my grandson likes me. And so, you know, for me, it's, a, it's, it's been a wonderful year. Um, I've gotten to know some of you more deeply than I ever have before, and I'm so thankful for that. And I've gotten to, I've gotten to be friends with some new people uh, this year that that the Lord I believe has brought into our church family that I a year ago I didn't know you or I didn't know you very well, and uh, so I I don't want it to come across like this year has been a horrible year full of darkness and death and despair. But I can't say that 2019 has been a year where how I would describe my spiritual journey is a year where I have been on fire. 
That's the phrase that touched me. We come to these crossroads, uh, Chambers says, and how we respond, it's either going to lead us down a path where our spiritual life, what did he say, is slow and lazy and useless. Notice he didn't say evil or wicked. He just said slow and lazy and useless. Or our Christian life will be on fire. Leading us to a place where we can give God our utmost for His highest. Our best for His glory. And I read that. And I had to stop and ask myself. Wonder next Last Sunday of the year, 2020. <clears throat> Lord, give me strength. Golly, Bill. You know, here I got to be all spiritual and serious. I'll, I'll be quiet. Um, um, but I just wonder if next December, last Sunday... I'll be able to look back and look into your faces and go, you know, not every day or every week, but I can tell you honestly that as I evaluate my spiritual journey this year, 2020, my soul and spirit have been on fire. And I have honestly, in many ways... Given God my utmost for His highest. I would really love uh, that to be true. Uh, more than I can express to you. Um, I've never been more convinced in my understanding of God's ways... And purposes for my life and for yours. I've never been more convinced than I am today. That God created us to live lives that are glorious. Lives that are full of His glory. And remember, I, I, hopefully, at least those of you that come semi-regularly. You've heard me say this numerous times. 95% of the time the, when the word glory is used, it is not talking about illumination. It's not talking about, uh, uh, when we say glory to the Lord, glory unto the Lord on high, we're not saying light up, spotlights shine on God. That's not what we're, uh, or the angels were glorious. And, and in that context, it probably does have to do with illumination and light. Okay? But almost always when the, Lord, when the Bible talks about glory, live for the glory of God, what it's talking about is the, the actual word, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, for glory, is, it's the word that means weight. Live a, that which is glorious in, in the biblical sense, it meant weighty. Versus chaff. That's the opposite of glorious. Chaff blew away in the wind. That's worthless. Glorious would have been the what I call the meat 
of the weed of kernel, you know, the, 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 uh, what you kept, that which fell to the ground. Why did it fall to the ground? Why wasn't it blown? Because it had weight. It had significance. It had impact. It had worth. God did not create you and me. God did not create image bearers. Those that reflect Him. Those that, that are created in His image. I'm not speaking about anything else. But God created you and me as His image bearers to live lives that are glorious. We were not created to just learn philosophical and theological and moral truths. Just every week, adding a little bit more spiritual knowledge. That is not why God created us. God did not create us just to live lives that are good or nice or pleasant or safe or busy. I want to say that one more time. God did not create us as His image. Because God's not that way. How can I reflect someone who, by definition, God's not busy. Busy with too much on His own. Oh, my ground, frantic, stressed, upset with too much on His own. Oh, my gosh, my to-do list today is too long. That's not, that doesn't reflect God. And I would suggest if you read the Bible... It might change your whole dead gum life. But if you read the Bible, who's go, who would describe God as nice? That's not the God of the Bible. Jehovah God is not nice. By anybody's definition. In fact, that bothers some of us. We wished He was nice. But He's not. He's not safe. That's not. And God didn't create us to be nice and safe or busy. That's why in Jeremiah 33, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, or I will come to you. Call, ask, just invite me into your life, and I will come. And when I come, I will show you great and mighty things that you've never imagined. Not... Call unto me and I will answer you and I will come and we'll just be buds and hang out and you know and I'll fix a few squeaks and leaks in your life. No, no, no. When I come into a person's life, when I come into the life of an image bearer, no telling what's going to happen because I am bringing great and mighty things that you cannot imagine. You might think, well, Larry, where do you get that from? Reading the Bible. God's M.O. throughout the Bible. Think about the people where God invaded the lives. Where people said, I call upon you. I want you to come and invade my life and reveal yourself to me. What did God do in their lives? Think about Abraham. Think about Joseph. Think about Moses. Think about David. Think about Ruth. Think about Esther. Would it, would, hey, Ruth. Hey, Esther. Hey, Daniel. Hey, David. Would you say that God just was your bud and y'all just sat around fat, happy, content, satisfied, just playing it safe? Is that, is that, would that describe your walk with, with God, David? I don't think any of those people 
would say that. His MO with the patriarchs, with Moses, Joshua, Ruth, David, Esther, proves that when God invades a person's life, He's got amazing, glorious things in store. Things that matter. Things that have weight, impact, and significance. God was continually, and I believe that He's still continually, inviting you and me into a journey with Him that by His definition is glorious. That matters. Isaiah 43 says, I will bring, this is God talking, I will bring my sons and my daughters from the ends of the earth, all who are called by my name, whom I created for my glory. I will call my sons and daughters from all over the world, from all over the earth, those that are called by my name, those that are a part of my family, that have my name on them, and I will impart unto them is our son glory. Psalm 84 says, For the Lord God is our son and our shield. The Lord will give us his grace. That's what Michael talked about. And his glory. Jeremiah 30 says, One day, this is God speaking, One day I will give them, give my children, my glory. And listen, And their lives will not be small or insignificant. Oh my gosh! When I put my glory on a person's life, their life is no longer small. It's no longer insignificant. I'll put my glory on you. And when I do, your life won't be small. I think that's one of the biggest... uh, Struggles that I face. Feeling like my life is small. Small. In a world that really only notices people that are big. I'm small. And if I'm not careful, that has a, a, a very defining influence and impact upon my life. Nobody knows me. Nobody, nobody knows me. And I'm not, my wife would tell you, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking for, uh, you know, anyway. I'm, I'm just saying, God says, when my glory is on a person... Their lives will not be small or insignificant. Zephaniah chapter 3 says, I will save the weak and the helpless and the exiled. And I will give my glory to the mocked and the shamed. And you might say, well Larry, what a, that's all Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Lord Jesus says, Father, I have given them the glory that you have given me. 
And I don't know whether you've ever thought of that. That, that verse ought not be in the Bible. That's not a Bible verse in my theology. That God would give unto me the glory, the worth, the value, the impact, the significance that He gave to His Son. That, that, that bothers me as much as it thrills me. But I didn't write that. Father, this is Lord Jesus talking. I give unto those that you have given me the glory, the weight, the significance, the value, the impact that you have given to me. So my question for me in 2020 is, will my life in some way a year from now be more glorious than it is there the glory of will I bear the glory of God in a more wonderful way magnificent way than I do today will my life a year from now. I don't mean, I'm not trying, this is not a pep rally. Oh, you matter and you're going to do great and you're a good guy and I want you to feel better. I'm not, that, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what the Bible's saying. My question is, will my life have significance and impact a year from now that it lacked today? Or will my life be adrift, pointless, and aimless? That word aimless caught my attention. I read a quote by Dr. Piper who said, Aimlessness, now listen, don't miss this. Aimlessness is akin to lifelessness. Dead leaves in the backyard move around a lot. The wind blows and they tumble and bounce and skip. But dead leaves have no aim whatsoever. They're full of motion but void of life. I didn't ask you if you're tired. Because you've been so... Ooh, the thank God the holidays are over. I'm exhausted. Maybe so. But are you exhausted? And am I exhausted? Because we've been busy like dead leaves. Blown everywhere. But empty. Of life. I want to. As quickly as I can. I. I felt like the Lord spoke to me. Really the last two weeks. And gave me four challenges. 
that if I will take them seriously this year, I believe the Lord has led me to believe that He will reveal to me His glory in deeper ways than He ever has before. He didn't send me a telegram or a postcard. I didn't hear Him audibly, so don't get nervous. But I'm telling you, he gave me four words. And I believe that if I will take them seriously, this year will be a different year for me and I will, I will, the glory of God will rest on my life in a new way. I'm not suggesting that these are the four things you're supposed to embrace. That is, but maybe you hearing some things that I'm going to focus on this year to put my life up to His glory, His weight, His significance, His value. Maybe that might be an encouragement to you to seek God's voice in the next few days. And maybe God will give you some things to focus on. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to work on things I'm working on. That's not, in fact, don't. These are mine. Okay? You don't get mine. You could. But anyway, you see my point. Okay? Number one. I'm going to try to do this real quick. Number one. First word that God gave me was the word forgiveness. About nine years ago, I went through an experience where I was hurt very, very deeply by a number of people that were very important to me. And it damaged me at a level that I can't express to you. Um, I dang near didn't survive it. And for a year or so, I it was a, it was a bad day at Ridgemont High. I'm just telling you, uh, it was bad. And the Lord spoke to me one day. And he said, Larry, I want you to forgive these people. <laughs> Not a dog's chance in Hades. And the Lord, I, I'm telling you, you can accept it, believe it, deny it, ignore it. I don't care. But the Lord told me, what I want you to do to begin the forgiveness process, I want you to be quiet. Silent was the word that he gave me. Be silent. Don't talk about them. Just, just be quiet. Somebody comes to you and wants to talk about them, you be quiet. You start a conversation and somehow that subject, you be quiet. Just all I want you to do is be quiet. And I did that. And if you know me, and because I, many of you out of love for me or, or your, your attempt to love me, you wanted to have conversations where we just trashed people. And I'm not doing it. The Lord told me not to do it, and I've just been quiet. And that went on for about two years. And there came a day where the Lord told me, Larry, that's good. But now I want you to start praying for these people by name every day. Two years earlier, I couldn't have done that. 
Well, I could have prayed for him, but it wouldn't have been. It have made Gabriel blush when I'd have prayed. So I just, I just. But but two years later, I just started praying for them, and I pray for them every day. I still do by name them and their families, and I pray and I pray sincerely. I pray honestly. God bless them from the top of their pointed head to the bottom of their stinky feet. Bless them. Bless the work of their hands. Bless those that they love. Bless them in their relationship and their journey with you. I pray that every day for them. By name. That has changed my life as much as anything that ever happened. And I've done that now for a number of years. But about two weeks, maybe a month ago, the Lord began stirring in my heart. He wants me to take that up a level. I'm not going to get into all that other than to say he wants me to be open to showing these people kindness. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is supposed to look like. It scares the bejeebus out of me. I'll just say that. It scares the the stuffing out of me. Rather than being quiet and praying, but if you walked into the room where I was, I just go the opposite direction. I just stay away from you is what I did. I don't like I said, I'm not sure what that all means, but I feel like the Lord has told me, Larry, do you want my glory? I want you to, I'm going to create ways for you to show these people kindness. It could be a kind word. I don't know. I don't know what it means yet. We haven't started the new year. I've already practiced with two and it was, it didn't go well. But anyway, that, that, you know, you just have to work on it. What I know is, is that the people in the Bible that knew God the best, had the closest relationship with him, and that had lives that bore the glory of God, they were good forgivers. Moses was a good forgiver. David was a good forgiver. Abraham was a good forgiver. Daniel was a good forgiver. His three buddies were good forgivers. Colossians 3 says, Overlook each other's faults and forgive people who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. God wants me to stop avoiding and ignoring people that have hurt me. And He wants me to find ways to show them kindness. I don't have to. He's not going to curse me. He's not going to be mad at me. But if I want the glory of God upon my life, I'm going to have to do it. Number two. Second word the Lord gave me was the word holy. I'm not talking about do's and don'ts. I'm not talking about a bunch of rules 
I'm talking about making some changes in how I live my life so that Jesus feels more at home in my life. Remember, you, you, you mamas, many of you have spent untold hours comfortable for your guest. You wanted them to feel at home. You wanted them to feel pleased in your home this month. I want Jesus. He's promised He won't leave me or forsake me. The question is, is he comfortable and does he enjoy living in my life? And there are some things that I'm changing to try to address that. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Work at living a holy life for those who are not holy won't see the Lord. Blind man can be married to somebody. They can live in the same house. But a blind man doesn't see his wife, right? She might be, be there. But he doesn't see her. He doesn't see her walk out of the bathroom all beautiful. Because he's blind. People that don't seek to live lives that are holy. What, whatever that means in your journey with God. What you watch, what you listen to, the way you talk, what you put into your body. I, I, I'm not talking about rules. I'm talking about us honestly evaluating, am I creating an environment in my life where Jesus feels welcome and at home and comfortable? First John says, don't be deceived. By definition, what that means is, is that you, we, we tend to be deceived. When it says don't be deceived, what the Bible is saying is, you will be prone to be deceived, to deceive yourself. Don't be deceived. People who do what's right show that they are righteous, as Christ is righteous. But people who keep on sinning show that they belong to the devil. Who's been sinning from the very beginning. God's son came into the world to destroy the works of Satan. Those who are of God's family don't make a practice of sinning. For God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. For they are the children of God. You can tell who is God's child and who is not. By their desire to live a life that is righteous and full of love. If I don't make any changes in my life, in fact, if I dial it down a notch and I add some bad stuff, God's still going to love me? Is God still going to bless me? Is God still going to be in my life? Is God still going to take me to heaven? I'm staking my life on that. But if I'd like to have the glory of God on my life, I'd like my life to have weight and significance and depth and meaning and impact in a different way, in a higher way, 
I'm going to have to make some adjustments in the holiness of my life. Number three, quickly. Third word the Lord gave me was the word light. L-I-G-H-T. What I mean by that is, all right, the way I interpreted it or heard the Lord was, you won't meet another person that's more faithful and diligent in reading the Bible every day. I defy you to introduce me to somebody that does it better than I do. For 42 years, I've read the Bible every day. Haven't missed. And I'm not changing that plan. Don't get nervous. I am full of Bible knowledge. The very statement should make your stomach turn. I am full of Bible knowledge. You know, there were a group of people in Jesus' day that were full of Bible knowledge. But what the Bible says is, walk in the light as the Lord Jesus is in the light. John chapter 1. Walk in the light as He, the Lord Jesus, is in the light. Isaiah 30 says, you will hear a voice behind you whispering, this is the way you should go. Walk in it. James 1 says, don't merely listen to God's word and deceive yourselves. Wow. Literally, there is a higher risk of reading the Bible and increasing my deception unless I do something else. James says, you must do what it says. And John 13 says, if you know these things, you'll be blessed and happy if you do them. So every day, I'm going to find one thing for 365 days. I've got, I'm going to get me, I've already got them. I've got a big old honking stack of index cards. And every day when I read my Bible, I'm going to find one thing that I feel like God is telling me to do. To walk in, to flesh out. And I'm going to work on that, that day. And then I'm going to set that aside and the next day I'm going to find something else. He might, if he tells me the same thing twice, then that means he wants me to work on it doubly hard. But I'm going to find something to do, to flesh out what God is telling me. God does not want me just to daily get to know Him better. He wants that. But He wants me to daily walk in the light that He has given me. And number four. Number four, is that right? Yeah. The word He gave me was the word truth. I started with a tough one. I'm going to end with a tough one. And I do want you to hear me. I struggle every day with telling the truth. If you grew up in a home full of anger, one of the ways that you survive is that you learn to not be truthful. Because not being truthful 
you, you, you can attempt to create this, this pseudo peace thing. You, do, you don't want to stir the pot. You don't want to dredge up a storm. And so you, you learn to lie. You learn to avoid saying what you really think and feel. You say things that are not true. You, 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 when you grow, and those of us in this room that are creating angry homes, you are, you are putting on your family members the curse of dishonesty. You are, you're, you are damning them. To a life of dishonesty. Proverbs chapter 29. I talked about this last week or the week before. Proverbs 29, 25 says. If the fear of man brings a snare. The reason I lie. The reason I don't say things that I should say. The reason I leave out things that I should say. People. It's because I fear. I fear people. I fear you disapproving. I fear you rejecting me. I fear you thinking bad of me. I fear you. Uh, uh, I, I, I fear. I want your approval. I want there to be peace. I want you to think well of me. And so, I, I, I will say what I will say. What will create that rather than saying what is true. Zechariah chapter 8. Those of you that avoid the minor prophets. Gosh, you're missing out. Gah! Zechariah chapter 8 says, The Lord says this, I have resolved or determined to do you good again. So don't be fearful. You must speak the truth to one another and render good decisions and don't plot evil against your neighbor do not lie for I the Lord hate it rather love truth and peace Ephesians chapter 4 says we speak the truth in love and it results in spiritual growth in every way so that we become more and more like Jesus People that speak the truth, they grow to be more and more like Jesus. And people that don't speak the truth, they don't grow and grow to be more like Jesus. Because the consequences of speaking the truth are some of the very things that God uses. It's the fertilizer that God uses to help us grow. And when I don't speak the truth, I'm, I'm saying, oh, I've got a little plan here and it needs miracle growth, but I'm not going to put miracle growth on it. The truth is the miracle growth that makes plants grow. And when I don't speak the truth, I don't grow. And, I, and those around me don't grow. Revelation, you can hold on to your hats here. I read it today. That's why I edited it. Revelation chapter 21. The fate of the fearful, the unbelievable, the corrupt, murderers, those that are immoral, 
those that practice witchcraft and those that worship idols and all liars will end their lives in destruction. My point today is not to discuss what it means that they end their lives in destruction. My point is simply to suggest, did you notice the crowd that people that don't speak the truth hang out in, in the eyes of God? God puts people like me that struggle with telling the truth in the same group with people that are corrupt, murderers, immoral, those that practice witchcraft, and those that worship idols. God wants me to learn this year, to work this year, on speaking the truth courageously, even when it's scary. I don't know how this year is going to go. And truthfully, I might work on this and at some point quit, give up, fail. But somehow I've got to believe that trying beats the fire out of not trying. Trying and failing has got to be better than not trying at all. Somehow I've got to believe that. If you care about me at all, if you love me at all, wonder what I could do for Brother Larry, for Larry. I'll tell you what you could do for me. You could pray for me this year. That I will work on forgiveness. That I'll work on holiness. That I'll work on doing what God is speaking to me about rather than just stuffing it, just one more pound of spiritual knowledge around my waist and tell Him the truth. You can pray for me that, that I would do well in those endeavors. Ask me. Check on me. Rebuke me. Challenge me. Remind me. I would would be grateful. I would appreciate it if you would do that. Well, I know you're not supposed to air your dirty laundry with people. And I just put a big old sack full of dirty clothes right in your lap. Um, But you ought to know what your old pastor's Struggling with and working on this year. Somehow I think that's right and appropriate and good. And like I said, are you supposed to work on those four? I have no idea. But maybe the Lord does have some things that He'd like for you to work on this year. So that next year, people around you would go, You know what? Your life has made a bigger impact. It's had more significance. It's had more... Depth, it's, it's more weighty, it's, it's, it's different, it's better. Um, I would like for Cheryl, for you to think, think that and feel that. I'd like for Rainey and Teddy and Colton to feel that. I'd like for you to think that, feel that, see that. Um, 
So that's what, that's, that's what I want to tell you all today. Um, Revelation chapter 20 says, John, the apostle John, the last the disciple that uh, lived the longest, it says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged according to what they had done. In a minute, I'm going to ask you uh, to come up here and take bread and wine and eat and drink. Well, who gets to do that? Do I have to be a member or give money or turn over a new leaf? or uh, Do I have to be a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or Episcopalian? Do I have to be a Republican or a Democrat or uh, an American? Um, no, to no, all of that. For some of y'all, that, I know that's a little uncomfortable. But anyway, that, that's a note all of that. The only, there's only one requirement, one stipulation, according to the Bible, for us to come and eat bread and drink wine, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And that is that we've come to a, a realization that we don't want to stand before God someday and be judged by our works. Because some of you, you would think that you are a fine fella or a fine lady. And by many definitions, you are. I would suggest we've all got a bunch of junk and we've all failed miserably. And none of us have lived up to the standard of God. And so, God said, I'll create another way for you to come into heaven. And that is, I will send my son to die on the cross. And if you'll put your faith in him and let him invade your life, you won't be judged when those books are opened by your works. You'll be judged by the work of Christ. And I can tell you right now, I believe God the Father. Well, in fact, He's well done. Well done. And so if you are putting your trust in the, the works of Jesus versus your own works to get you into heaven, then I invite you to come and eat and drink and remember and give thanks. Um, Mom, would you and Terry come up and help me? There are going to be people on my right and my left by the windows that would love to pray for you. If you need prayer, here, here you come sit, stand right over there. Thank you. And um, I, I, I just, please don't leave here and not avail yourself of prayer if, if that's what you need and I know you I know, there ought to be a line uh, in front of both prayers uh, seriously don't leave without being prayed for if you need that
And um, like I said, there'll be a day, John says. He saw it in a vision. He looked into the future. And he saw a day when people would stand before God and the books of life would be opened and they would be judged by their works. But it goes on to say that there's another group whose names are written in God's book of life because of grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus. And if you're trusting in His grace rather than your good works, your good life, then you come and you eat and you drink and you remember and you give thanks. Okay?